You know, it was 15 years ago today that our nation was hit. We were blindsided. We never saw it coming. And today we remember September 11, 2001. It was a tragedy like none before. It was a time when our country... Things changed. It was the time that we look back on, and I remember exactly where I was the very moment I heard about it. And I'm sure that I see a lot of heads nodding. For myself, I was driving on probably one of the most beautiful roads in America, in my opinion, on the 101 freeway between Ventura County and Santa Barbara, on my way to work in Santa Barbara. And it was a daily route for me, and it was always beautiful, and many times I could look out at the sea and see dolphins, and there was always ships out there and watercraft and usually planes in the sky. And as I began to hear the reports over my radio, at first I thought, this isn't, this isn't real. There's, this is a story somebody's telling, because I listened to Christian radio, and I thought, well, maybe they're just getting ready to preach, and it's a it's a fictional story, and, and my mind couldn't wrap itself around what was going on. But as they continued, and I looked out, I noticed there, there were no boats out on the water. There were no airplanes in the sky, and it just seemed, and I was the only one in my vehicle on the way to Santa Barbara, and it just seemed to be real still. And I remember emotion kind of gripping my heart and, and just confusion, and, and, and it just seemed like my whole world was rocked. And I think as Americans, it, it, it really shook us up. You know, some people called it Terrible Tuesday. Others called it a second Pearl Harbor, although we lost more than double the amount of lives than we did in Pearl Harbor, and most of them were civilian lives, not military lives. 2,977 people lost their lives that day. Include, uh, in addition to that, the 19 hijackers, which for me, I don't like counting them in the sum, but our Lord does. Because even though they did such a terrible thing, God still cared about their soul. It's hard for us to wrap our mind around that, isn't it? We want to be angry. Let me, let me in a dark room with them for five minutes alone. You know what I'm saying? Show them the right hand of fellowship. Amen? Lay hands on them suddenly, like us Pentecostals like to do. But they matter to God. Everyone who was lost mattered to God. And as these 19 hijackers took four airplanes and they slammed them into the World Trade Centers and into Pentagon and into the empty field in Pennsylvania, many of us were just like, what is going on? And the very fabric of our society seemed to be crumbling down. And last week we talked about, about mountains and, and how mountains... We can speak to some mountains and we can tell them to be moved and cast into the sea. And Jesus even told us in Matthew, tell your mountains to get out of your way and they have to move if you have the faith to move them. Amen. And we talked a little bit ago about in worship how some of those mountains, some of those things in our life, some of those strongholds, for many of us it was addictions. Come on. Those mountains just wouldn't come down because I shouted to them and because I had enough faith. They were, they were dug deep. They were rooted deep. And those are the types of mountains that melt in the presence of the Lord. 
And the third type of mountain that I see in the scriptures are mountains that represent stability in the lives of Christians. Mountains that maybe God has blessed you with, like your marriage, right? These are healthy things. Maybe your ministry that God has given you and, and, and commissioned you and released you into. And these mountains crumble. And we'll never forget the lives that were lost that day. We, we cannot forget the lives of those who were forever changed because of the tragedy 15 years ago. We're still talking about it. I can't even remember what I ate yesterday for dinner. Oh, yeah, I just remembered. It was a good dinner. That's why I remember. But I do remember exactly where I was at 845, 545 our time, 15 years ago today. We can't forget about the widows who are raising children alone. We can't forget about the children who no longer have parents in their lives. And we can't forget about the heroism shown by ordinary people who did extraordinary things that day. Talked about that last week too, that I don't want to be just an ordinary guy. I want to be a guy that does the extraordinary, amen? Amen. I want to be the man of God that, that, that goes beyond just ordinary. I want to be called by God and set free and, and released by God to do crazy things for Jesus. Amen. There's power in remembering, and that's what we're doing today. We're remembering. That's what we did last week when we celebrated communion together. We remembered what Jesus did for us on the cross. And it's so important for us to remember what happened that day. It's so easy for us to forget the emotions that we went through and, and, and the things that we told ourselves. I remember telling my thing, myself things like, I'm not going to be the same. I'm going to be determined from now on. It's, it's like when we lose a loved one. Man, we're so determined to, to let family be number one again. And then the new car smell wears off. And life gets busy. And, and seasons change and things pass. But... But our world keeps giving us reminders of these tragedies. Every day you turn on the news, something else is going, a suicide bomber, or people, San Bernardino, not too long ago, just where I lived there. It hit close to home. They're strengthening the memory of where we've been, how far we have come, and where we're going. And... and so as I was thinking about, I don't do 9-11 services every year, but on the anniversary, how do I avoid that? How do I, how do I as a man of God, how do I as a pastor, not, because I don't know if there's anyone in this room who lost somebody in that or knows somebody, but, but I know that we were all affected in one way or another. How do you not approach this? And I'm like, Lord, do we stand up and do we pledge allegiance to the flag? That would be awesome. That would be honoring. And I just thought to myself, maybe we just take a moment of silence right here in our service. And, and as Christian men and women, a moment of silence for you and I is different. We're quiet, but inside we're praying. And so as we take a moment of silence right now, before I preach any further, I want you to think about a couple of things. One, our first responders who still, even today, anytime there's a tragedy, are the first ones on the scene. Like many who were running out of the building, there were many running into the buildings as they were coming down. I want us to also think about the families who were affected by this and maybe your own life and, and the things that you promised yourself 15 years ago, how you would be a different, a better Christian as a result of this and how time has escaped you and maybe you've let some of those challenges that you put on yourself 
fall by the wayside. So can we take a second for every year that has passed? Let's take 15 seconds as a moment of silence this morning. Lord, we remember what we faced as a country, the unity that it instilled. We remember that how for a season the church was filled up because people were searching for answers. And Lord, I don't think many of them ever found the answer they're searching for. And I, and I know that your word has the answer for us. And that's what I want to search out this morning, the answers of when our mountains fall, when our world is shaken up, when, 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 when tragedy strikes us on a personal level. Lord, I pray for a, an anointing on my lips this morning as I share the word of God. And I pray each one of us would just receive from you today, that we'd be challenged and encouraged by your word, that, that we'd walk out of this place closer to Jesus than when we walked in the door today. Bless our time together, in Jesus' name. David asks a really powerful question in Psalm 111 about when we face times like this. And I, and I want to read it in the CEV. It's chapter 11, verse 3, and it says, What can an honest person do when everything crumbles? That is a very probing question. What do we do as Christian men and women when the fabric of our lives, the stability, the things that we, that we depend on in life seems to be crumbling around us? We talked about being able to move, move mountains last week, and, and we shouted grace, grace at those things, and I believe that some people were set free. That things began to change for you, but there's some mountains that are around us that, 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 that fall, that we have no warning of at all. Things of stability, things like our parents, when one passes away that we're close to, those are, those are God-given gifts. What do you do when God-given gifts fall and collapse around you? It's important for us to know because we know we're Christians. I'm preaching to the choir this morning. We understand that God is our source. We know these things, but, but we still put value on, on my relationship. If something happened to Pastor Kerry, I'd be absolutely devastated. It would rock my world. I wouldn't know what to do. I would depend on my family to come around, my church family, and I would depend on God to see me through, but I know that it would shake me to the core. What do you do in situations like that? Because every one of us, if we haven't faced one, we're going to. These are the lessons I think we can learn from a tragic event like 9-11. We can learn what to do when tragedy strikes our life. In ancient times, mountains were considered unmovable, permanent objects. And if one moved, you better be worried. I mean, even now, if I'm driving down the road and a mountain moves and I didn't tell it to, I'd be a little bit freaking. You know what I'm saying? Who told that mountain to move? And on September 11, 2001, mountains crumbled for our nation. Listen, the, the things that were struck 
were things that, that represented the security, the financial security of our nation. Uh, the, 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 the ability to even steal or hijack four planes shook the, 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 the safety, the security of our nation. We thought that can't happen to us. And, and whether you're, you're, you're the person who is under the belief that it's all conspiracy or not, that doesn't really hold any bearing of what I'm preaching on today. Whether the government did it or hijackers did it, it, it we still lost 3,000 people, and it was still a tragedy, and it's still a warning for us Christians to wake up. Wake up. What do you do when these things happen? Psalm 46, this is, listen, this is a fundamental message. I, I am not trying to go deep. I'm not trying to be the theologian today. I just want to preach encouragement to you. I want to preach something that probably every one of you have already heard in your life. But I want to encourage you and I want to remind you, God, said, is, God is who he says he is. Amen? Amen? And his word is not going to come back void this morning. Psalm 46 verses 1 through 3 says, God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, even though the earth be removed and, the, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling. I love the fact that, that, that God is our refuge. So the first point in your informational fan this morning, that's what these are called, by the way, because we, we sweat, and on the back of there, there's information, when we're troubled... God is our helper. God is our helper. David immediately identifies the source of our help as God Almighty. Not my wife. Not my job. Not my biweekly paycheck. Not my children. But God is my helper. And did you notice this? Go back to that text. Can you real quick, sweetie? Put the God is our refuge. Our refuge. We can we can personalize it. It's good cuz he is your refuge as well. But listen, God is available to everyone. He's personal and he's intimate with each one of you individually. But he is our helper. Some people feel like this, oh, God helps that guy, and God helps that guy. He helps Pastor Ron because he's a pastor. No, no, God is our helper. The help that God offers is, is specifically tailored to our need. Do you know that? His help that he provides me is specifically tailored to what I need most. He knows how I think. He knows how I respond. He knows what gets my go. He knows how to encourage me. Amen? It's not the same for everybody. And he specifically tailors it to me. Think about that for a minute. The God of the universe cares about you in a very personal way. God of the universe. Just take that in for a minute. Cares about me. The troubles that you go through are, are on God's heart. They're, they're on his mind. Matter of fact, my Bible tells me that he has made a way of escape through them. We're going to talk about that a little bit in a few minutes. But the trials that we face, God faces with us. Aren't you glad that he is our refuge and 
our strength. We're supposed to lean on God when our world falls apart. We need to rely on Him when the mountains of life come crashing around. Listen, we have a rock we can depend on. The rock of Jesus, amen? You guys are quiet today. We all face situations in life that, that cause us hardship, that cause us distress and cause us heartache. And, and we all have mountains that feel unstable in the shaking of life, don't we? We don't know. Man, I remember when God moved us to Victorville, California. I, I don't I was really like, really, God, why? Now I know why. I've got some really wonderful friends out of the mix who are now serving in ministry with us. So God had that figured out way long time ago, amen? But we went up, and, and you know, the market's growing, and eh, I bought a house, and I'm all happy, and we got this big old expensive house that I can't afford, but I got it for under the market value, and so we're all, everything's good, and then the economy crashes, and I lost my job. So now I don't have a job, and I have a house that's worth about $100,000 less, and I paid for it. Anybody else find themselves in that situation not too long ago? Many of you didn't raise your hand because you're smarter than me. <laughs> I'm just saying. Clearly, I did not know when to buy. But listen, my, my world was shaken. I, I, I believed... I heard from God. I believe I was responding to God's call on my life, moving to the desert. Further and further to the desert I go. I think I'm about as deep as we can get now, right? Amen? I don't plan on going anywhere, hallelujah. But I was responding to the call of God. I, I uprooted my family. I moved to Victorville, California. Where the heck is that? Matter of fact, here's a short story for you. When I was in the Navy, I was stationed on my ship with a guy, and, and we became really good friends while we were on a Westpac. So when we came back after six months at sea, he said, I was too far for me to go to Fresno to visit my mom because it was a short Liberty weekend. He says, hey, why don't you come to Victorville? I said, where the heck is Victorville? Because he lived here, right? So I went to Victorville with him, and we're driving up to Victorville, and I'm looking around like, why would anybody live here? Fast forward 20 years later, <laughs> and I'm moving to that city. It was much bigger by the time I moved there, but yeah, it's just fun still asking the same question, what, who would live here? Uh, me? But I remember the, the very fact, I mean, but here's the thing. As a Christian man, I knew that God was my source. Listen, obviously I didn't miss any meals during that season, amen? Right? My kids didn't miss anything. We, we kept going. We paid our bills. We paid our tithes. God was always faithful, and he always is. But when, when something like that happens, and, and here I am responding to the call of God, and the bottom falls out, and you begin to question yourself, God, did you really say that, or was that the bean burrito I had the night before? Huh. And God responded with, I am your refuge. I am your strength. I am your help when you're in trouble. Call on me. And when life 
When life comes at you like that, when, when the marriages feel like they're falling apart, come on, when, when job situations seem like they're crumbling around you, when, when health issues begin to shake your world and you're not sure what's going to happen and, and you're waiting for the report and you're standing on God and you know He's giving you promises and you know He said He's going to heal you, but yet you haven't seen it yet and you're saying, God, where are you? And, when, the, and when, when life makes you feel like everything is hopeless and family makes you feel like there's nowhere to turn to, God! is who you turn to. No matter what you're facing, no matter what you're going through in life right now, God is there to help you. There is nothing too difficult for Him. Come on, somebody. Don't get me, don't get me going in the house. I'm going to run for a touchdown. I got my jersey on. God is our refuge. That word, that word refuge, it means this. It's a place of rest and safety. A place of protection and peace. Does anybody need a place of safety? Does anybody feel like they need more peace in their life? Peace. God is our refuge. That's where it's hiding. It's not like it's elusive to you. It's been there all along. You would just get up close to Jesus Hide up under the shadow of the Lord's wings. Nothing can ever shake the foundation of God's love and mercy towards you. Do you know that? Somebody needs to hear that today. Somebody's sitting in this chair thinking that God doesn't love me anymore. I've turned my back on him too many times. And I'm here to tell you from the, from the mouth of the Lord, I love you. I care about you. And you can't turn your back away from me too many times for me to turn my back on you. When you're weary from life's trouble, God is your rest. When life becomes chaotic, God gives us peace. Amen? Number one was when we're troubled, God is our helper. Number two, when we feel forsaken, we are not alone. That's what he said in verse 1. He is a very present help in trouble. Listen, the point David is making is very clear. God is with us all the time. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. You know that. You need to hear that if you don't understand that. He will not turn his back on you. God makes promises that he will always be by your side. Aren't you glad about that? Man, I'm sweat-a-costle up here. What in the world? Sweat-a-costle, yeah. It's a new word. I made it up. There has never been and there never will be a time when God leaves you alone. Never. He's there even when it feels like your life is falling apart. When the mountains of sorrow overwhelm you, God is there. When mountains of weakness come upon you, God is there. When mountains of despair, defeat, depression overwhelm you, God is there. Reach out to Him. The same God who hung the stars in the sky, the same God who created you in His image is there, and you can depend on Him. And you know Him. You know Him by name. He says, I am the great I am. 
He didn't say, I might be, or, or let me think about it for a little while, or, or I can be, if you're willing. No, he just said, I am. If you're depressed, he says, I am. If you're sick, he says, I am. If you're overwhelmed, if you're broken, if you're hurting, if you're, if you're wearisome, God says, I am. I am your source. I am your provider. Listen, the God that parts the seas, the God that established nations, the God that heals the sick and raises the dead, the God that numbers the hair on your head, and for some of you that was easy, and the God who captures your tear in a vial is the same God who's there when your mountain falls. Amen? I love this verse right here. Psalm 139, verses 5 through 10. You have hedged me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Listen, we don't even understand. Verse 7, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? And if I ascend into heaven, you are there. And if I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. And if I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. Sometimes we forget that the promises that we proclaim and that we hold on to on the, on the pinnacle are the same promises that we need to run to when we're in the pit. We so, we so easily forget about the promises of God. But God is there. When we feel forsaken, He's not, we're not alone. Can I get an Amen. You guys are quiet. I know your football game's playing right now. It'll be all right. They're losing, so don't worry about it. All right, here's the last one. I'm not going to keep you long. It's almost time for a hot dog. You'll be all right. When times are terrifying, we will not fear. Verse 1 said, God is our refuge and strength, very present help in trouble. In verse 2, David says, therefore... I will not fear. If God is my present help, if he is my refuge and my strength, then I don't need to fear. Look, there will be terrifying days in your life. Has anybody experienced any? God never says we won't experience hardship. He never said you won't walk through the valley. He never said that, it, that, that things won't become difficult. He never promised you a rose garden. Who wants to sing the song, Timmy? Come on. Ah... Don't do it, don't do it. But God does promise to stay with us through everything in life. There's a verse, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. It says that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but power and of love and of a sound mind. You know, David knew that. David knew that when he wrote Psalm 23. He said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Listen. Listen, David knew that, that you had to keep walking. Listen, when times come against you, when your mountains are falling, when, when the very stability of your life seems to be crumbling around you, you've got to keep walking. Yea, though I continue to walk through the valley. It doesn't say that, that I'm going to lay down in fear. See, God hasn't given you that spirit. He's given you the power, love, and a sound mind. Really, that word sound mind can be better translated self-discipline. Listen, it takes self-discipline to walk through the valley. 
I've seen too many Christians give up on God right before the miracle happens. They just turn away, and, and right there was their miracle. Listen, whatever you're walking through, keep walking through it, amen, because you're not walking alone. God is with you. And it takes discipline. It takes, oh, my gosh, it's one of the things that, I, that, I was, that was my worst. I had no discipline before Jesus Christ, but this Bible this Bible, this word says that he's given me power, love, and self-discipline. God gave me discipline. I can say no. I can say yes. So you need to try this with me right now. Say this with me. No. You're pretty good at it here. You got to tell the world that thing sometimes. Amen. Now try this with me. Yes. All right. You say that to Jesus and we'll see what happens. Amen. Listen, fear haunts us. Fear hunts us, fear hounds us, and fear hits us. Amen? It will come at you. But when God is with us, we can be fearless. He's not given me a spirit of fear. Not given you. If you feel fear in your life, man, rebuke that thing. That's a spirit of the enemy. Sometimes we forget that the power and strength of God when we need it most. Sometimes we forget that he is almighty. When we're walking through the valley, we forget how powerful he is. We forget to, to call on him. And we call on a brother or a sister, an aunt or an uncle or a mama or a papa. God says, call on me. I think we need to remember sometimes the power of God. We need to be reminded from time to time how Incredible he is. The one who created everything in just six days is God Almighty. The one who protected Noah and his family during the flood is God Almighty. The one who parted the Red Sea is the one who, who was with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. The one who raised Jesus from the dead. The one who who set you free in the darkest time of your life is God Almighty, amen. And the one who will be with you when your mountains fall is God Almighty. This world ain't getting any better. There's a whole lot more of this coming. But there's someone coming that's greater than all of this. And his name is Jesus. Our problem is that we often walk away from him and then we... Blame God for our problems. God, why did you? And God's saying, I was here. I made a way, and you chose your own way. Listen, I've done that. I know what that's like. I've done that as a Christian man, too. I've, I've made some choices that, that, that I thought would be better for me, like I know better than God. Like, how's that working for you, Einstein? Yeah. Never worked out. Let me just tell you, don't try it. God wants to be our refuge. He wants to stand beside us, and he wants to remove our fear. Three things that I tried to teach you today. When tragedy strikes and mountains fall, number one, seek the refuge of God. Run to God. Don't run to Mama. I love my Mama. She's right there, and she's a comforter. Run to God. I can't, be I can't believe how many times... People come to my office and tell me about the situation they're walking through. And I'll ask them, well, did you pray about it? Well, I was hoping you would pray with me. Why did you, why did you wait so long? 
Pray, pray, pray. God has given you the ability to open your mouth. And even if you can't speak, there's some that can't. You can pray it here. Psalm 91 verse 2 says, I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Listen, it's God who you need to trust. It's God who, need to, who you need to seek refuge from. Number two, embrace the presence of God. Run to the presence of God. In his presence is fullness of joy. Psalm 16 tells us that. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. I learned a long time ago that the world doesn't have anything to offer me. My flesh gets pleasured by worldly things. Trust me. I like a good movie here and there. I like a piece of cheesecake. Come on, somebody. There is going to be cheesecake at the banqueting table in heaven, I'm telling you. And there's going to be Harleys, all right? It's the only thing God will allow that you drive on streets of gold, all right? I'm just telling you. I can't find scripture for that yet, but I'm just saying it. I'm just believing it. And finally, walk by faith in God. Walk with faith in God, for we walk by faith and not by sight. I don't see it. God, where are you? I don't see you. God says, I'm with you always, even till the end of this age. Would you stand with me this morning? You may not be able to see God in the storm, but trust me, he is with you. Listen, if you're here this morning, and you are... And you're in a situation. You, you have a challenge. A, I'm going to be delicate with my words. A stronghold in your life. There's, there's something that... And you've been work, walking with the Lord for a long time even. Short time, long time. It's for everybody. That would say, this mountain, even though I trust God to move it, it has not moved. This, this thing in my life is it, like, it's like a thorn in my side. I, I can't seem to shake it and you're here this morning and you just want some people to agree with you in prayer I want to ask you if you would join us right now in this altar come on down we're going to pray for you there were some chains that were broken this morning hey sweetie how you doing She's putting her hope right now and her trust. She's turning her focus from the world and placing it on you. God, I pray for provision. I pray for a great job, not just a job, but the right job. I pray that you would move mountains, that you would give her favor in her employment, God, and in her life and her surrendering to you. Just be with her, Lord. In Jesus' name.
Lord bless you. Lord, we just lift up Cheryl. God, that you would touch, Lord, that you would touch her son, that you would touch her, her whole family, God. I, I pray that you would overwhelm them with your presence, God, that you would surround them. Lord, that you would draw them by your spirit close to yourself. Thank you, Jesus, that you do wonderful things in our life and, and you're peaceful, Lord. You just bring peace into, into chaos, God. I speak into the chaos of her family's life right now that, that the peacemaker would intervene right now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Give Cheryl rest. Amen. Amen. Bless you. Well, if you'd bow your heads with me for a moment, I have a question I'd like to ask this congregation. I see some new faces, and we're glad that you're here. And I want to give you an opportunity, if, you, if you've never met Jesus, if you've never gave your life to him, if you've never said yes to him, that, that you would give it give that a, a, an opportunity today that you would say yes to Jesus. And if you're here and you say, Pastor, I've never done this, or, or years ago I did and I just have not lived the right life, you say, I'd like to rededicate or commit my life to Jesus. Would you show me your hand? I'd like to pray for you. Is there anybody here today? Thank you, sweetie. Anybody else? Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hey, even if it's just for one, it's so well worth it. Amen. Would you say this with me, and then we'll dismiss in prayer. Father, I love you. Thank you for sending Jesus to die on that cross, to forgive me of my sins. I invite you to be Lord of my life from this minute forward. I say yes to you. In your name I pray. Amen. 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 Well, let's give him a good round of applause. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus.